Hello. Long time Hello. no see. <laughs> How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Do you know what? I was going back through our Spotify feed just before this. We haven't recorded an episode since early September, both of us together. Oh gosh, that is I insane. I know, isn't that so bad? I think yeah. it's just because of uni. We're, we're both in that sort of crunch period of our degrees. and Yeah, it's, it's because of uni and it's because last year we were kind of sitting in our rooms the whole time and we had plenty yeah. of time to be on Zoom to each other and recording podcasts, but less so. So if you remember back a few months ago, before the summer, we did um, an episode that we called Headline Highlights and it was basically just half an hour or so of us chatting absolute nonsense which was vaguely related to the week's news and we really enjoyed it I think I did I did as well yeah no it was good fun so we're going to do something like that again because um we have one more episode coming for you before Christmas after this one um but we will wait and let you find out about what that one is because it's quite a special one it's one that we recorded um a while ago and we're really looking forward to that getting it out there but yeah we're just gonna have a bit bit of a chat about this week's news do you have a list of things that you want to go through? Do you have... I, when I'm at university, unfortunately, I genuinely give the news the briefest glance throughout mm-hmm. the day. Yeah. But I think the one, obviously, the elephant in the room, the, the thing that we swore that we would never have to do another podcast episode oh, God, again, yeah. has, has reared its ugly head in the form of Omicron. Yes. Which sounds Omicron. like a cyborg name and Apparently, makes it sound very threatening. there is a transformer called Om- Omicron or this something. This makes sense, because yeah. it sounds like a robot. But at least it's not called the new variant, because that was the the, the N in the Greek alphabet is new, N-U, isn't it? And I think that, that variant has already been taken up somewhere somewhere else in the world. And so yeah. for, for a while, people thought it was going to be called the new variant, which would have been quite confusing. Yes, it is back. I was so bored of talking about this, and I was so glad that it went away as a story, but... Yeah, how concerned are you about it? I think it's a difficult one because when I first I thought, first saw the BBC headline, new variant found, like I had that, I had that same feeling that mm. we got so used to in 2020 of that of that drop, like, like heart drop where, yeah. because obviously I remember so vividly like March 2020 when we were getting these like notifications like new case of this virus and we, we I just was not paying any the slightest attention to, yeah. to anything that was happening until it kind of got really serious. Because you just, you wouldn't. Whereas now we're so attuned to every little change. And I think after July, it really had felt quite a lot, especially here that things had gone very much back to normal. Yeah. I mean, I still wore my masks like most places where I would have worn them before, but you know, I was going out clubbing, socializing. I'd just gotten so used to, to, to life kind of being normal. And I didn't really have in the back of my mind, I had that there might be a new variant, but I'm thinking I'm feeling quite optimistic because it seems that they're saying the cases themselves seem to be quite mild. Mm-hmm. So even if they can evade the vaccine, the UK's got a really good vaccine uptake. I'm going to go and get my booster jab the second that I'm called for it. Yeah. Um, but my friends have all been getting COVID recently. Oh, really? So I think it's definitely something that's not going to go away um, and that we're just going to have to learn to live with. But yeah. Yeah, see, I haven't I heard think... of anyone getting COVID for ages. I, I like... We didn't for so long. Um, and then one of one of my close friends um, tested positive. Thankfully, I got negative PCRs back. But um, a couple of people I know have caught it recently. It seems to have been circulating a little bit in Oxford. God, and I think yeah. it's just with that in, in like that winter season, mm-hmm. you know, coughs and sneezes spread diseases. And there's yeah, a lot more of those so going worse. around at the moment. Yeah, for me, it was the 
the words Boris Johnson to hold a coronavirus press conference at 5pm whenever it was last weekend. I was like, oh, for goodness sake. That's when I knew it was kind of getting a bit serious. But yeah, you're right. I think the government seemed to have set a kind of political red line and that being that they will not introduce restrictions on the economy. So they will not introduce restrictions on the social contact. Now, whether they can stick to that red line indefinitely kind of depends on events but at the moment they certainly seem to be saying that you don't need to be altering your behavior other than taking precautions such as mask wearing yeah i'm thinking it seems to be more of a sort of like rather than placing restrictions it's kind of booster jabs masks other things that attack the virus from another side and i think if you compare to sort of the netherlands or germany that are seeing like an unprecedented surge in cases i know that this obviously for us it's been different because we had the delta variant and that and and that whole christmas period was i mean we i don't even need to remind the viewers like Mm. how how difficult that was for a lot of people and i think perhaps we are in a stronger position, like epidemiologically speaking, in terms of both immunity and vaccinations. Because we have such a strong wave and equally because we've had a really good vaccine uptake. And I think that now, if they they seem to be pushing the booster campaign, because they know that that will just boost a wall of immunity. And I think you're right in saying that I, I would, I don't want to jinx it, but I would be very shocked if the government were to reintroduce restrictions because that sets a precedent that every winter whenever there's a new variant exactly. this is just going to keep happening and for for a society that prides itself or a, a part a governmental party that prides itself on allowing you sort of liberalism individual and freedoms yeah it, i don't think it would i don't think it would fly it, uh, on the back benches i agree and i think sajid javed has actually got a lot to do with this um the new health secretary well new taking over from matt hancock who resigned in spectacular fashion in the summer, as we all know, <laughs> and we all saw far too much. Um, yeah, Sajid Javid, I get the impression, is ex- extremely intent on not bringing in restrictions on economic activity and social activity. Because um, it is it is weird seeing the different, different approaches that countries are taking. I saw a video from a politician in Australia, and the new kind of in thing in terms of coronavirus seems to be mandatory vaccination which is something that i really don't we've had conversations about in this country but i just don't think at any point the government has genuinely considered mandatory. it's it's in for nhs workers i think it will be soon um but yeah it's it it is strange seeing the different approaches but of course it's all come to a head in a political sense in the last week as well because of the whole issue of the number 10 christmas party last year what do you think about that yeah i mean (sighs) These kind, same kind of stories just keep it's, coming around. Don't this they? is what I mean. As in, I saw it, and it was that same thing of you know, oh, disappointing but not surprising. You know, these same things that just keep coming to light, and then keep you just get this fumbling to cover it up. But I suppose that's politics, isn't it? Really. Yeah. Um, I just I feel for the families that 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 have been so so hurt and upset by the fact that it went ahead. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? Because I think it is easy to see this as sort of a Westminster story that doesn't matter you know who cares if they had a few drinks on a Friday night in Downing Street last December but I thankfully haven't lost anyone close to me to Covid and I think if I had especially around that period I would feel extremely differently about this story and it really shows a kind of contempt for the people upon which they were imposing rules last year um the strange thing is it 
the same as all the other stories, the Dominic Cummings story, the Matt Hancock story, the PM and Chancellor trying to evade isolation. It seems as if it's not cutting through that much. It just seems that nothing cuts through. It really does. And at first I thought it's because of the pandemic. You know, it's because of the urgency of the situation that we're in that this Dominic Cummings story is not gaining the traction that it probably would have. Mm -hmm. But it's been a year and a half now, you know, coming up to two years. And I hate to say it, but we have kind of got used to the to the to the situation as in, you know, we wear masks without thinking and we have hand sanitizer in every pocket of every coat. And and I just and yet there's just been no change to the to the indifference with which all of these stories have mm. been viewed um very well, baffling i do think keir Starmer and the labor party have changed tack in the last month or two yeah and they have been more visible and this actually leads me on to the second story that i wanted to talk about and which was the the reshuffle but we can sort of discuss it in the whole context of the labor party and, and politics in the last month i i do think keir Starmer has realized it's now or never. He needs to start making inroads if he wants even a chance at an impressive performance at the next general election. Because the the received wisdom, I think, is that a general election will come in spring of 2023, which sounds a long way off in it's December not, 2021. Though, it, really? It's 18 months, isn't it? That's and really not far given away. that election campaigns really, you know, kind of informally last for a few months, he basically yeah. needs to be ready for a general election in a year's time. Yeah. And I think there, there's been a realisation in the last month or two that that is the case. And he has stepped up his act, I would say. At Prime, Minister, Prime Minister's questions, he seems to be enjoying it a bit more. But again, I don't know if that's helped by the fact that some of the Tory backbenchers can't stand Boris Johnson. Yeah, very much so. It's, yeah, it's, it's crazy how quickly another election has come around, really. Um, I don't know if it's just because so much has happened in that time but as you said it really doesn't feel that far away well it was yeah no it doesn't feel that far away because the last general election was two years ago this december and we have five-year terms so it feels like it should be still ages away but because it was a this is a bit technical but because it was a december election in 2019 the elections are in law to be held in spring in may so it would have been set to be May 2024. So that's already four and a half years. But then they think he might call it a year early. So that becomes three and a half years. And we're now two years into that. So it kind of kind of adds up in that way. But yeah, yeah, it's interesting to see some old Labour figures come back in the reshuffle. Yvette Cooper, I think, is the standout name that's come back to the Labour front bench as Shadow Home Secretary. Um, I think her versus... Uh, her versus Pretty Patel, um, Home Secretary is going to be quite a quite a encounter. Yeah, that's going to make some interesting some interesting uh, uh, confrontations in the Commons. I think I also saw. I don't know if I've totally made this up that that Rayner was not actually informed in any depth that that a reshuffle was going on, and it does seem that there has been a bit of a shift back towards the centre. Uh, with this reshuffle. Mm. Oh, absolutely. There's been a shift to the centre because it's not just Yvette Cooper. So David Lammy has come back yep. in. Um, who else came back in the reshuffle? Wes Streeting, um, no? Wes Streeting, yes. He was promoted to health, yeah, Shadow Health Secretary. Yeah, it certainly feels like Keir Starmer has finally plucked up the confidence to say to those on the left who supported Jeremy Corbyn, your time's up. Yeah. You know, I, I, he, he, he couldn't do that as soon as he took over as, le- as leader because that would just send the wrong message, especially as he assumed the, the office in the, 
at the start of the pandemic it's a time for unity and I think political infighting wouldn't have helped but I think he has his supporters would say he's grown a backbone um and dispelled the people who in Starmer's eyes have have kind of ruined the party obviously people on the left would say that any leadership any Labour leadership should be representative of the whole party but um yeah I read the reports about Rayner not being told um I think she's a fascinating figure Angela Rayner I really do the way she says what she thinks is actually quite unlike most politicians in this country like the way she no go on if you were... no you go you go I was going to say the way she tweets and she kind of tweets other politicians directly. She clearly runs her own Twitter account, whereas I don't, I would say Starmer probably doesn't. Yeah, I interviewed Angela Rayner actually um, back in... What? You did what? Yeah. When? I, um, I, had, I had a little... Just slip that into conversation. Yeah, no, it was back in... Um... <laughs> Gosh, when was it? It must have been before, before, like April time, I think. And she was doing a press conference in the Midlands and um, I interviewed her for Black Country Radio. And she was just so well-spoken, so passionate about what she believes in and so unafraid to say things the way that she thinks that they should be said. There's no question dodging, there's no evading. Um, And I know that that sometimes has meant she can put her foot in her mouth slightly. Um, Mm. But I think... In terms of politicians who a lot of them will do anything possible to to simply answer anything but your question, I was really struck by how every question I asked was met with a was met with a direct, frank and honest answer. If she didn't know, that's what she said. So very like yeah. refreshing like regardless of whether you agree with her or not. I think there are a kind of new bunch of politicians. I know that she's not new, but a new bunch of politicians in in Westminster that are more open and are using their social media in a in a more open way and of just being more upfront, which I think is something that could, yeah. could really benefit Westminster. I agree. I definitely agree. And I think that I disagree with the all these reports saying that Starmer and Rayner despise each other. They're an awful partnership because yes, they don't have the chemistry that Blair and Brown did at the start of their term or Cameron and Osborne or, you know, they don't have that deep friendship or, ideological agreement on everything I don't think but I think you know people say opposites attract and opposites complement one another and I really think that's true if you're going to into an election with two of the most senior figures in the party I exactly the same you're not going to broaden your appeal and I think if, if they go into the next election with Starmer being sort of I don't want to say the brains of, of the operation but the more formal face of the operation and you know the the one that he tries to appeal for the public to put their trust in but then Rayner is sort of his deputy that is on the sidelines ready to put in those attacks and those those lines that need to go out um I think they could make a great partnership in terms of political success definitely your wi-fi cut out slightly there so I didn't hear everything that you said but I think that sometimes a chalk and cheese approach might be be more effective actually exactly in, in in casting the net slightly wider This week, uh, what's been making headlines in the US is the issue of abortion. Yes. Yeah, there's there's been a national conversation in the last few weeks, well, the last week really, about abortion. And it's because a a case in, I think, Mississippi has um, been passed up to the Supreme Court Mm -hmm. um, about the, the stage during a pregnancy at which a woman should be allowed to get an abortion. And 
well, commentators and pundits are basically saying that this has the potential to eventually overrule Roe versus Wade. And now Roe versus Wade is the original Supreme Court decision in 1973 that ruled that um, it was the right of every woman to have an abortion if they if they so chose. Um, and yeah, I, I was listening to the BBC podcast Americast this morning and they're talking all about this. I really would recommend it if you're interested in this more. And effectively, um, if if Roe versus Wade were to be overturned and a decision wouldn't probably happen until next summer, um, it is thought that around half the states in the US, around 25 states would immediately criminalize criminalize all types of abortion, which is quite a phenomenal development if it does go ahead. Um, and I'm surprised it hasn't made more headlines here. Well, I guess it hasn't happened yet, but the conversation is beginning. Um, yeah, it's quite a quite a huge story. It's such a huge story, I think, because it touches so many people's lives individually. And any change in a ruling like that would have such wide reaching implications and would would directly and immediately change so many lives it's almost unfathomable mm. to think about and i think sometimes when you're talking about all of the the cases and the legalities and the constitutionality of whatever that it's really it's really easy to lose sight of these individual stories these individual people that ultimately if things were to be criminalized w would would struggle and would would go through a very very different experience yeah yeah it's i think it's one of these issues about on which it is really hard for British people to get their head around um, yes. who because I personally have never even been to these to the states I um, obviously I, I know a lot about American politics and I read American news and I watch American news and that kind of thing but I think that is quite different from understanding the political culture of America and I would compare it to the issue of guns you know British people cannot get their head around. And this is another story that came up this week because there was yet another heartbreaking school shooting in America. And I think British people just cannot get their head around the fact that you couldn't own a, an AK-47 or another kind of assault rifle legally in the US for, for seemingly no good reason. Um, and, and in the same way, it, it, is, it is so hard to understand why the issue of a woman's right to choose is one of the number one considerations that people make when they're considering uh, candidates for office. You know, presidential candidates always have to state their position on abortion. And it's just so hard to work out why it matters so much in the US. Yeah, I think that's one really important thing to to remember is that we're, we're viewing it from a standpoint where these rights are, uh, are a given almost, you know, they're, they're not really something that we've ever really questioned. I mean, obviously across the pond in Ireland, it has been questioned, and and even then yeah. we struggle to understand why this is such a why this is such a topical debate. Um, and I think that that is that really changes the perspective in which you view it because you're viewing it from a why are we even having this discussion? But there are, you know, there are fierce and there are strong and arguments with with heavy supporters on both sides over there, and it and it is a debate that will continue to play itself out because it's it's weaved into the fabric of their society. And especially with a country that, you know, that is so proud of or is so based on its constitution and those those amendments, you know, it's it's we have a we don't have a constitution, you know. Our our constitution is made up of, of lots of different things, you know, precedent, common law, all these sorts of different modpods, you know, judicial court rulings, uh, that we perhaps don't understand how much one document, one piece of paper can 
can can shape the political consciousness of a of a country yeah absolutely and i think that the party system in america contributes to this because whilst not everyone would agree that being pro-life is an extreme position people who do hold extreme positions on other issues are sort of absorbed by the two-party system in the US in a way that they probably wouldn't in the UK. So, for example, there is a congresswoman in the US called Marjorie Taylor Greene, and she is a Republican congresswoman, and she has extreme views on many issues, but not just extreme, but sort of illogical and often based on conspiracy theories. And, you know, she's she's supported some of the, the work of QAnon, which is a, a conspiracy theory kind of organization. And basically, because there is a two party system in America, because you are either a Republican or a Democrat, people with those extreme takes on politics are kind of dichotomously fitted into the system. Whereas if someone with such views were to rise to prominence in the UK, it would probably be via a more populist political party or something on the fringes because there's more room because we have seven or eight parties in our House of Commons rather than two, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. It it all just comes down to how fundamentally different our systems are. And I think that you're right that we don't have that. We have a dichotomy, but it's not to a lesser yeah, extent yeah like you know in, in america it's like you are a democrat you are a republican and i think to be a democrat or to be a republican means a lot more for someone's personal identity i think in the us than it does here of course you have people here that are staunch conservatives or that are staunch labor supporters but yeah. they're very few and far between and most people and also do swing can swing do swing between parties so and also if in the uk if you are a died in the wall Labour or Conservative supporter, that is usually kind of a purely party political thing. Whereas in the US, again, I do think it is more of an emotional and a cultural connection to a set of values. And our friend of the podcast, John Sopel, has a fantastic book on this. It's called, I don't think it's right. It's called, If Only They Didn't Speak English. And it's first, it's a fantastic title because it encapsulates the whole book. And it basically splits the chapters up into stuff like things like religion, guns, um, abortion, probably one of them. And he's ba- the message of the title and the message of the whole book is basically that they, America is a country so different from the UK in all of these, all of these ways, not just purely political, that actually if they didn't speak English, we probably wouldn't recognize them as, you know, one of our closest partners. You know, we we still have fantastic relations with people um, in Europe and that kind of thing, but because they speak a different language, I, I think we have sort of this mental separation from them in terms of culture. And actually culturally, I'd argue we're so much closer to France or Germany than we are to the US. Absolutely, absolutely. And that is what makes politics so bizarre. Um, yeah. I think history, tradition, lots of different things can actually make you lose sight of the fact that maybe we don't have that much in common at all anymore. Well, on that joyful note, <laughs> are there any like sort of fun, joyful stories in the news lately? It's a bit of a depressing I thing really to... I really haven't been like... seeing much, if I'm honest, but we could no, talk I... about our our very own newsreaders, uh, you know, our, 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 our idols <laughs> in the news Go world, on. as it were, who are on Strictly and who are on I'm a Celeb at the moment. Our yes. favourite breakfast presenters, Dan and Louise. 
Oh, I bless. I was really sad that Louise Minchin left BBC Breakfast. Oh, actually. don't even not, start. Not that I watch it all that much when I'm at, at uni. At uni, I don't either. Just... But I think during lockdown, it became such a staple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Also, Dan is doing so well on Strictly. I know. He's got so far. I didn't get him in the sweepstakes, unfortunately. But Who did you get? I got John and Johannes. Oh, well, they're doing well. So that's the win. I got they're Sarah brilliant. and Aliash. And I think mm-hmm. I got... Oh, and I got um, Katie and whoever Katie was with. Oh, Gorka. Gorka, yeah. So I, yeah. I am, see, I'm betting on John and Johannes because I want to win, but equally, mm. I have a really strong feeling that Rose and Giovanni are going to win. Right, I have to say, Rose and Giovanni are my absolute favourites. Same, literally I same. I've not watched them. it all, all the way through because of uni, but no, but neither. Yeah. The first few weeks, I was like, I'm not usually that committed to Strictly, but this year, I've been absolutely loving it. Um, Rose and Giovanni, did you see that? Was it two weeks ago? They did that routine when they stopped the music halfway through, and you might not have seen this. There was a moment in the dance. Yes, I did. I did see that. Yeah, they stopped the music and obviously kept dancing. They kept doing it, but because. For those who are, who potentially aren't watching Strictly this year, Rose is, I think, an actress and she's deaf. Yeah. And she can't hear the music at all, I think. And she has basically been dancing incredibly well, I might say, this whole series, mm-hmm. just by kind of being guided by Giovanni, but also like feeling the rhythm of the music. And oh my God, it was an amazing moment because that was... We, we kind of saw how she sees this and how difficult it is. Oh, I think they're so good. They're so, so good. And such an inspiration as well. Just, mm-hmm. it really moved me. Because I, I didn't watch that episode, but I heard so no, much about what had happened that I went to watch it and I put my headphones in and just, oh, it was just such a memorable, I just, I know that's going to be such a memorable moment and one of yeah. the highlights of Strictly. Like, I think for me, probably my highlight of all time, if we're talking about Strictly highlights, was mm-hmm. Caroline Flack's show dance. Um, oh, yeah. Was it um, a jive or something? No, that was her jive was amazing, but she did a show dance to Angels by Robbie Williams, Aww. and um, that's probably one of my highlights, especially in the light of her of her tragic passing. But yeah. but yeah, no, very much. I think this year, what's special about this year is, I just think Strictly has nailed representation over the yes. last few years because I think sometimes, especially on certain broadcasters, and I really don't mean that to say about the BBC, but I just mean in general, yeah. broadcasters can really kind of shoehorn diversity into their programmes. Oh yeah, and, 100%. You know, that's not the worst thing in the world, but the whole point of it is that it should be organic and that people should be represented yep. because they want them on their show, not because they want to tick a box. And yep. I think the the featuring of John and Johannes as the first um, all-male dancing couple is just... It's just fantastic. And it's made even better by how bloody good they are, don't you think? Oh. Oh, so much better. Oh, yeah, it just, it makes me happy because it's one of those things where it's not like an, a big deal is necessarily being made out of it. And that's what I really enjoy. Absolutely. Um, And I think, I think to just do it and to say, this is what life is like. This is, the, this is the sort of people that society is made up of. And it's the sort of people that make the UK the UK, you know? And I just love that. And I love that I love that it's becoming so commonplace because it, it should be. That's what it should be. It shouldn't be like, a, oh, look, we've we've got this representation. Yeah, because, yeah. And that's what I really like about this year is that they've really incorporated elements that make these couples special and individual and who they are without making it the sort of token of the show. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. No, that completely makes sense. Yeah, I'm enjoying it so much. What's going on on I'm a Celebrity? Are you watching? I have not been watching it, unfortunately, because I do not have time at uni to to sit and watch yeah, it every it's day. Yeah, a big old commitment. I haven't been watching it. Um, 
They've had a bit of a tough time in terms of production, haven't they? I know, because of Storm Arwen. I think Storm Arwen low-key ruined everyone's lives for a couple yeah. of days. All the tra- like, I really oh, well, A lot of people it. are without power still, aren't they? Yes, northeast of Scotland is still without power, so pretty much a week on now, which is crazy, um, especially this time of year. Um, I think it was because it was such a... Like, the storm didn't affect everywhere, and so some people have just not even been remotely impacted by this storm and other people have mm. you know it's completely like damaged their property or, or kicked them out of their homes or left them without power yeah um, it's also i've never known it to be snowing in so many different places in november i know i woke up um and we i was in i was in my hometown for for a day and i um i woke up and i opened the hotel window and it was a complete blizzard you couldn't see anything it was and really I, like there was no forecast of snow there was nothing oh that's what made it so fun and then I, got I, a text. I rang my friends in oxford and i said oh my god look out the window it's snowing they were like no it's not yes it was so local it was so weird yeah it was so bizarre i got a t- so i woke so up there's a text on our group chat just snow in capital letters and that was the i day. love snow <laughs> that was my that's day, me i am that person that messages the group chat being like <laughs> snow <laughs> no i really like but the only thing I think when I see snow in November is, oh my god, like this. Should this be? Should this, should be, this happening? be happening? Yeah, you 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 yeah. get like carried away by the snow, and then you're like, oh, mm, it is still late autumn, although it's not now, I guess. But yeah, this this shouldn't be happening. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we can briefly talk about COP actually because we haven't we've yes, done we a could. podcast since since then. Um, what was your impression of the whole the whole occasion? <sighs> I have many thoughts, but obviously as we're going to keep this brief, I think I will just say that conferences in general infuriate me because mm. so much time and effort is got, goes into organising them. And then you ultimately just leave with the feeling that it was very much for show. I don't know. There's something I know that people can sign pledges and I'm glad that pledges have been signed, but you just get such a strong feeling that it's it's all about appearances. and And I just... I don't know. Maybe I'm just maybe I'm just too cynical. Um, no, but I, I just got so. the very much the feeling that it was more about the press coverage. It was more about how the conference was coming across to people than what the actual leaders were talking about themselves. Yeah, I think the thing is when you have a room full of the most powerful people in the world, that's the the very fact that they're there and you know all the silly things they're doing, like falling asleep for five seconds as Joe Biden did. Um, like that's all gonna be part of the media coverage. I think that's a given. But I do also agree that the talk of action wasn't wasn't enough. And these no. conferences seem to still be about making pledges and setting targets and saying what should be done, which exactly, is fantastic. But right? that is the first stage of, of the crisis. The second stage is implementing those. Yeah, and, and this is what I'm struggling with here is that it's always about we're going to do this by this year. We're going to do this by this year. But how are you actually making the difference right now? And I think and the that's... point is that legislating takes time it, you know yeah. making the huge changes to the way we live our lives um and you know in order to to reduce carbon emissions that takes time and unless the leaders have come back from cop and have instruct either started themselves or instructed people to start drafting this legislation to start drawing out plans of how we will hit these these targets it's so difficult to see how any of it matters yeah it's yeah it's really difficult because I totally agree that legislation takes time and I'm not asking for them to click their fingers and wave a magic wand, but 
I think it can be really frustrating when you see such a gap in, in what the posters and the adverts and everything are saying. Oh, look at us, look at these pledges that we're making. And then you see the statistics and the figures and you see snow in November and you see all these crazy weathers and you're just thinking, mm-hmm. gosh, are we doing enough? But you also feel powerless yourself to, to really do much. Yeah, it's that thing of, oh, well, I should should I care that I get a takeaway cup when I go to Starbucks because it's one takeaway cup and multinational companies is still doing all that but yeah no it was it was an interesting occasion and obviously in case listeners don't remember I live in Scotland I live in Edinburgh so Biden flew into Edinburgh airport so there was all kinds of police around Edinburgh of course in CNN's eyes was, was where, the, <laughs> where the conference was held about that. <laughs> oh dear so in case you didn't see this um CNN's Wolf Blitzer who we both love we as love it, Wolf as in yeah. he became a big part of our lives last November during the presidential election um um, but he put out a tweet um, of CNN's like setup studio um, to, that was that had come to the UK to cover COP, and it was in front of Edinburgh Castle, and it said something like here in he literally even said here in Edinburgh to cover COP or something <laughs> to cover COP, which is in a city that's that's miles away. But Honestly, yeah, it was so funny, and I just because. I'd understand if it was like a conference just outside of London and they were broadcasting from London or something. That kind of makes sense. But Edinburgh and Glasgow are very much different cities. Um, yeah, that, that was a funny one. Um, I don't think what else has been the news. I honestly think we've done a pretty good roundup here. I think we've done a good job. Oh, finally, this isn't news. This is just me being nosy. Spotify rap. <laughs> <gasps> oh my gosh. Many thoughts on Spotify rap this year. <laughs> Primarily... So primarily that I finally for the first year in years don't have any study music on my Spotify rap because I was obviously not studying on my year abroad and uh, my Spotify rap is great but I did listen to I in 2019 for reference I listened to 111,000 minutes of music which is 73 days um whereas this year I only listened to 31,000 so I'm clearly enjoying my life a lot more and not listening to sad playlists and study music as much yeah (laughs) I was, I think, fifty nine thousand or something, which is the same as what I usually have. Yeah, I'm, I'm a like. If people know me, they will know that it was pretty much Taylor Swift and Taylor Swift. Why really is it with them. Taylor Swift though? Like she has made it into everyone's top five. Like I love Taylor, I do. Don't get yeah. me wrong, but do I love her enough that she should be number four? She, there wasn't a single Taylor song in my top one hundred, and yet she really? was my fourth. Yet- she was my fourth most listened to artist. My other, oh, my other four had sense. at least five songs each in my top 100 that's so weird there's some kind of scientific study that needs to go into that I of think how you so. listen to taylor swift more taylor swift conspiracy theory i mean to be fair the reason she made it into everyone's top five is because she's released four albums or something yeah in two years. that is so true <laughs> that, that woman so never true. sleeps that's yeah so true. yeah my top five songs may or may not have all been taylor swift songs <laughs> <laughs> yeah um should we leave it there for today? I think so. I think we've done a good job here. I think we have. I, I was just thinking, it's it's boring for us not to tell people what the kind of Christmas special episode is, isn't it? So Let's tell, tell them. them. They've listened this should far, we... right? Exactly. Well, if they have. You can do the honours, Ollie, since you've edited it. So, well, I haven't yet, actually. <laughs> <laughs> um, so a month or so ago, uh, we conducted an interview with Julie Etchingham of ITV News. Now... Julie is a hugely recognisable face in UK politics and news, especially, I think, because she has hosted and moderated all of ITV's election debates in the last six or seven years. So she was the one who moderated the encounter between Johnson and Corbyn in 2019, the the 
EU referendum debates, um, the ones that have like seven party leaders on them, all of them. She was she was in charge of that. She was the one who interviewed Theresa May and asked her the dreaded question about um, what's the naughtiest thing you've ever done and all that kind of stuff. So it was such an interesting conversation. And um, we spent an hour or so with her. And yeah, that that should be that should be landing in your podcast feeds, podcast feeds just before Christmas. Um, if you have noticed that my microphone sound quality has got suddenly better, I am actually recording this segment just after the podcast um, when I have very annoyingly realised that my microphone was not recording the entire time. It was my, it was recording from directly from my laptop rather than my um, proper podcasting mic. So I, I do apologise for the um, relatively bad sound quality compared to Eve, um, but I certainly won't do that again. But yeah, back to the last minute or so of the podcast. I just said to Eve how much of an interesting conversation that we had with Julie. So interesting. I think that's one of my favourite ones we've done. It's definitely up there with John Sopel. Absolutely. Yeah, we started the year off with John Sopel finishing off with Julie Etchingham. Not a bad year for us. Not eh? at all. It's been nice to be back. Um, so yeah, one more episode from us in a few weeks that will come out and then we'll be back at some point next year. Yeah, thank you guys so much for listening and for supporting us through all of our podcast endeavours, hiatuses, breaks, whatever. And we hope that you've enjoyed all the episodes and let us know what style you prefer because I think it's nice to have a mix of both, but it'd be nice to know which ones you, you like. Yeah, for sure. It's been such a fun year and we've done... We've interviewed some really cool people and had some great discussions and I've really enjoyed it personally. Wonderful. Well, enjoy the next episode and have a lovely Christmas and we will see you all in the new year. Bye, guys. See you later. Bye.